Dear Sustainable Futures enthusiasts, my name is Alexandra Kutsukos and this is Sustainable Futures, the podcast, a live work platform to stream conversations at the crossover between sustainability design and personal experiences. Done with heart by live workers for live workers. This episode's special guest will be Rowan Conway. She's LiveWorks non-executive board member who is helping us in defining and reaching our sustainability ambitions. In this episode, we explore system shifts from the traditional economy to the economy of care. We talk about technology and environmental challenges as transformational vectors, and we reflect on what are conditions for a flourishing society of care. Hello, I am Alexandra live worker and I am uh, amongst many others at live work very passionate about sustainability and especially I like to look at how service design can help in the transition towards uh, regenerative societies and how service design can help um, let's say how it works in the overlap with uh, urban development so that's something that I'm uh, quite interested in and I'm here now with Rowan Conway and she's our non-executive board member and uh, we just had a really, uh, we're in London right now recording and we just had a really interesting presentation about transformation by design. Um, I think we're in a deep transition um, where a lot of the paradigms that we've ba- based our belief system on are changing and I started to struggle with how the interpretation of value differs between the working environment and uh, let's say personal environment like personal sphere and I started to wonder what does it what does like in, in, in envisioning regenerative societies what will be valued and how will economy be functioning based on this new meaning of value. So I was blown away when I listened to this one episode of a podcast that I keep on talking about. It's called Flourish System Change. And it's um, by Sarah Ichioka and Michael Pollin. And, and in this episode, they talk with Kate Roworth. And Kate Roworth uh, is the economist who came up with the donut economy, for who doesn't know. And what I thought was quite interesting uh, is that when talking about what type of skills we need to develop in order to uh, get to a regenerative society or to, let's say, live in a, in a, in, in, in the donut economy, in a donut economy world, let's say, she talks about the word economy, the etymology of the word econ- economy that comes from oikonomia, which is the art of household management. And she was describing how we're used to think of economy as something and the market as something that is so very outside of us while there is a whole economy of care in our household in how we maintain it in how we care for our children in how we build relationships uh, in how we take care of the commons and um that all of a sudden started to uh and and the fact that let's say uh she puts it into this larger 
picture of, of how an economy can work, that was something that I thought was quite enlightening. So what are possible measures that can be put in place in order for this to happen, like for this transition to happen? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a very big question. And I think, you know, to, to reflect on the concepts of underpinning the donut, you know, for those who haven't done any, haven't read the donut economics, which I th- highly recommend as a book. Um, the concepts that underpin the donut is that we should live within the constraints of a sort of environmental ceiling and a social floor. So this 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 is a a, a circle that means that we should you know ensure that that society is provided for, and we understand what those social limits are, and then we, that we also understand what the the um, environmental limits are of of not just climate change but but also uh, environmental pollution um, of acidification of the oceans mm-hmm. of a variety of different measures. So what the donut actually ends up looking like in practice when you start then saying, how do we start thinking about this? Is it operates as a really effective uh, awareness tool and a diagnostic. Mm -hmm. So you can look at it and you can start to understand in your own context. And I know she's been working with various cities in that way. And it, but but also it helps people understand the nature of the environmental challenges and and indeed the societal challenges that we face now. You know, and so then then you embed the question of what is it then to live well mm-hmm. once you are conscious. What is conscious living in this? And and so Kate would then extend that to say we need a wider account of the commons. We need a a more um, a less of a a didactic approach to growth mm-hmm. so that we are not just chasing GDP as an indicator, but we are starting to understand how to measure a variety of indicators. Mm. Now, in practice, I think, you know, you've seen some policy moves like the future um, the future generations policies in Wales and um, a variety of well-being economics initiatives around the world, you know, kind of notably in New Zealand and other places they've looked at well-being economics in Finland. Um, but the sort of dominant economic architecture is sort of, it, it is like a kind of, you know, tsunami that you're <laughs> you're dragged along by. And so you can think about paradigm change as also driven by kind of uh, external forces. So not just this kind of awakening, if you like, which I do think is sort of collectively happening. The the variety of, you know, the, the understanding that climate change is real and that these various different um, uh, issues that affect our our global health are getting ever more challenging and will create more environmental um, and social challenges you know you know everything from kind of floods to fire to migratory patterns changing you know just being conscious of that then when we talked about this earlier can be extremely overwhelming you know so then how do you think about that in the context and i like the idea that this was about flourishing systems change in the uh, in the context of what is it then to flourish in 
I'm not sure that I know at this stage, but what I recognise is it's living with change or living change, which my 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 good friend Anna Burney would would lead would reflect on. You know that we are living change, recognising that we are at the end of a particular era of industrialisation into what some might call a fourth industrial revolution, which or fourth or fifth, depending on you know which which is has been you know, dominated still with industrial processes, even if they're streamlined industrial processes, but the processes of digitization are still industrial processes. They're just faster, more democratic, um, probably more energy intensive in a different way. Um, you know, those processes will cut, if you like, the contours of how societies operate because, you know, our, our kind of technological operating system does to a certain degree dictate what we do with our lives Mm. you know now we have digital infrastructure what emerges out of digital infrastructure for for a kind of green revolution i don't 100 percent know but Mm -hmm. she would say that paradigms shift because you because technology plays a profound role in that Mm -hmm. and you can track that back and i you know i wouldn't i wouldn't say that i'm in any way a kind of anthropologist or historian but you know, you can track yeah. back key changes in human patterns of behaviour moving from hunter-gatherer to agri- agri- agrarian is a moment that technology intervened in who we were as mm-hmm. a species. You know, Industrial Revolution, again, mm-hmm. in, in, changed who we were as a species. We have a, a, a sort of cluster of things happening now. One which we is, is digitisation, you know, in this whole new set of infrastructure that we have in place which enables us to have global connectivity but at the same time we have profound environmental challenges Mm -hmm. that we'll then have to live with and navigate which will also create migratory challenges which will create displacement Mm -hmm. which will have you know heat stress in certain parts of the planet that we can't avoid at this Mm -hmm. stage and within that what is it to be to live well Mm -hmm. what is it to I don't have the answer other than to say living consciously mm-hmm. is probably the kind of direction yeah. that helps us get there. Um, something that I'm curious about is how, like, because when we talk about these things, I always see these macro systems and these macro changes. And then um, if I think about the pandemic, for example, it did have, it obviously was on a global scale, but what I find, and, and it transformed on a global scale as well. Um, but what I'm curious about is also what were the mm, mechanisms on a local level and on a community level that helped uh, creating that sort of resilience that is needed for um, to endure these uh, systems change changes that are that, that are happening. So. If I think about, for example, what Kate Raworth said around the like developing a skill of care, it's interesting to think about how do we start from what's around us and what's at arm's length in changing, uh, in in building that sort of like, yeah, let's say it could be a support system. Like how how can you uh, build your environment like? the environment that is just around you, you know, or how you can shape it in a way that it also helps 
maintaining that this resilience, like becoming resilient in the face of these like huge challenges that are ahead of us? I think that that's it's an, a really excellent question, and I think it's one um, that needs to be that we need to dwell on. I often say when when you ask a big question like that you need dwell time because mm-hmm. there isn't a clear and present answer um i have many hot takes on mutual aid and and the pandemic and community um because i think you can't i think it's actually very easy to do this but i don't think it's wise to do this to separate the local contextual from the macroeconomic mm. because the the biggest challenge about perceiving that you can take the energy from mutual aid in community and redeploy it in a time it's almost like taking wartime community activity and then use redeploy it in a time of peace you need to pay for it in a time of peace and that question that you referred to right at the beginning about the oikos and the and the woman you know economic activity not being paid or feminist economics it's really important to go back to that to recognize that you know there is no money circulating in mutual aid and so it is voluntary capacity or or human love which we need and that's mm-hmm. not to say we we shouldn't mm-hmm. you know love each other we should however if you see the kind of economic economic system as the circulatory system mm-hmm. in which all of the the kind of the fundamental wealth flows you know the blood is the is the wealth if it is being extracted over there and then we're having to support in community without there being any kind of circulation of that wealth mm-hmm. you can't um you can't flourish from that yeah, and and i think that there is too much assumption that mutual aid can be repurposed towards uh if you like local community resilience without attention to who's put, where's the money yeah. you know and being quite blunt about it i'm continuously saying where's the money mm-hmm. because um if the economic system unchecked what you also saw in the pandemic while you saw this enormous surge of mutual aid you also saw the largest transfer of wealth to the most uh, mm-hmm. elite people you know the wealthy got considerably wealthier those who were in the essential economy were the people who had to go to work on public transport and be the most exposed to the covid pandemic mm. you know bus drivers people working in supermarkets people working in care and they were also the lowest paid mm. so recognizing that there are structural macroeconomic challenges that need to be addressed if you're going to get to the love and care which rightly deserves to be showcased as important if it's showcased as important with no money then that's motherhood and apple pie. Mm-hmm. You want to actually say what is it to genuinely structurally invest mm. in care mm. and care and climate become, you know, essential, you know, that that's your donut, you know, that's effectively the donut level is understanding that care supports the understanding that there will be turbulence in a, in an era of climate change. But I I get quite exercised by the idea of just unlocking civic energy without there being social infrastructure that can enable that. Mm-mm. Yeah. 
Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Lots Thank of you food for me. thoughts for sure. And uh, yeah, if we continue this series, it will be wonderful to have another conversation. Oh, bless you. I really appreciate you having me. Thanks yeah. a lot. Thank you. <laughs>